This, this, this is, 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 Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode number 852. We are the Fight Disciples and this is your MMA preview for the weekend coming up. Uh, all changed. This one was supposed to be taking place in Saudi Arabia, um, but it's been shifted to the apex. Uh, and it might be one of the best apex cards that we've seen uh, for uh, for some time. Don't get me wrong, the apex cards on paper have absolutely uh, been been solid, some solid matchups in there. It's just the atmosphere within the apex that obviously grinds the gears of, I think, of a lot of, uh, of fight fans. Um, but coming off the back of UFC 298, UFC Mexico, this is very, very solid as we build in towards UFC 299 in Miami uh, next week, which we're extremely excited about. You've got big heavyweights in the main event. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, some big lads as well in the co-main event. You've got a lovely little bit of British interest uh, on the main card and a little bit further down in the prelims as well. We've also got a little bit of uh, news to get stuck into uh, a little bit later on in the show. But all in all, this is quite solid at the weekend. It's bloody good. It hasn't got the name value, I'll give you that. It hasn't got the star power, if you like. But if you know MMA and you know about, you know, talented fighters, what you've got here is you've got a series of fights featuring undefeated guys where it's like, okay, step up time. Let's see how good you actually are. You've got the main events of guys 12-0, and 0, stepping up. you got, in the co-main events, a guy who's 10-0, and 0, stepping up. Then you've got Mo Mokayev, who's 11-0. Stepping up, a guy above him in the rankings. You got Nurmagomedov, sixteen and zero, who's stepping up. Like there's a bunch of guys here with undefeated. Basharat as well on the prelims. He's fourteen and zero. He's stepping up. So yeah, man. And this is a. I think it's a, it's a bit of a sleeper card. This one because questions will be asked and answers must be found if these undefeated guys, these guys with the O's, are able to push on from here. It's interesting that main event, isn't it? Shamil uh, Gaziev that has been uh, put into a main event against Jairzinho Roizenstreich. Yeah, um, one fight. Yeah, he's had one fight in the UFC. And all this hype about him, and there's a lot of chat about him. Gaziev, this is, that we're referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, but to throw him straight into the main event, he's had one knock, and you're in with a guy that has been in with some of the very, very best. It's an interesting move. They're obvi- they obviously feel that Gaziev's got something. Yeah. In order to chuck him in with uh, Rosenstruck. Yes, I know Rosenstruck's seven and five in the UFC. All right. I know. Yeah. But th- those five are against some of the very, very best dudes. Um, and I'll talk about what Rosenstruck's been like since Francis Ngannou smashed him in 20 seconds in a minute. But on Gaziev, they're obviously high on him, mate, because they're sticking him in a, in, in a main event. Yeah. Gaziev is um, him and Mo Mokiev, you can kind of. Put them in the same slot though as well. Even though these guys are, you know, Mo's eleven and zero, Gaziev is twelve and zero as pros, mostly finishes as well. Gaziev eleven finishes in twelve wins. You also have to look at the amateur experience. These are guys that are very high level IMAF international medalists with a dozen, in most case, twenty five fights. I think it was Gaziev. I think had over twenty fights. As amateurs, big undefeated records, world championships level amateurs. And I know though it's still fledgling that side of the sport, the amateur side of the sport, but they've done it in big tournaments against international opponents before they even turn pro. You know, I think I think Gazi have signed off on his amateur career by winning the Abdulmanap Memorial Tournament, which was a big thing for that part of the world, of course. Then he turns pro. So this is kind of like a UFC version of. Andy Cruz or Lomachenko or, you know, high-level amateur boxers when they come into the pro ranks and guess what? They're fighting for world titles with inside 10 fights. This is a very similar situation with Mokhiev and Gaziev. So, yeah, for Gaziev, absolutely. Kids only had one fight. We were there in Vegas at the back end of last year when he made his debut, battered that Martin Budet guy who looked like he didn't belong in the UFC. So it was a relatively straightforward win for him. He is absolutely being torpedoed in here against the guy who's number 12 in the world. It's a massive ask, but he's much more than just a 12-0 and fighter. Actually, when you look at the level of amateur experience he's got, this guy's probably got more experience than Rosenstruck in MMA. Yeah. And it feels 
it feels the right opponent because with all due respect to Jorginho, he hasn't been the same dude since Francis. When he when he burst on the scene, obviously an elite kickboxing background, a lot of excitement about him. And I remember the chat going into that fight. Listen, him and Francis is competitive, mate, because they're both heavy-handed and they're both, they both want to strike. Nobody wants to mess about. And listen, you could see the way that Francis approached that fight. He knew. He knew that the other dude can whack and he's very talented. Right, sack it. I'm going to get right on him straight away. I'm getting him before he gets me. And he smokes him in 20 seconds. And that, I think, psychologically has really affected Jairzino Rosenstreit because since mm-hmm. that fight, he's three and four. Um, he's winning, losing. I think he had two back-to-back losses in there as well. And then he's just coming into this fight. It, feel, it feels like the UFC have gone, that's the one. Yeah. Stick, stick him in with Shamil Gaziev. Gaziev gets himself uh, a ranking the, and and maybe propels himself towards that top 10. Um, I think the division needs it because obviously we've got this bottleneck at the top where we've got the legends allegedly fighting. Tom's got his hands on this uh, interim belt, but you look around for other fights for Tom and there's nothing really standing out and making it dead attractive. I know that we've got Blades and Almeida coming up, so maybe the winner of that is going to be the thing that Tom gets his hands on. Cyril Gans had a pop, fallen short, still developing. But apart from that, with all due respect to the rest of the division, there's nothing that really jumps off the page. So you kind of need something, don't you? You kind of need something to be coming through, tearing things up. Very similar to um, our... His name's escaped me. The guy that Tom just beat in New York. Oh, his name's um, of course. Big Russian. His name's just yeah. got completely gone out of my head. Pushed that out of my head now. That is that is amazing. I can see everything. I've been speaking about him for a year. Fighter of the year in 2022. Anyway. But like his surge, you need. Uh, you need something to come through like uh, like what Gaziev is hopefully going to be doing. You're looking for the name now, aren't you? I can see. I've got to because it's driving me mad now. I don't know why you just pushed this out of my brain. If you'd have just said, who the Tombies? I'd have just said it straight off the top of my head. But instead, who the you've poisoned me. That is a, that oh. is amazing that, it, that he's gone. Give me the letter. Fuck it now. Give me the letter. S.P. Pavlovich. <laughs> that is mad. How my bro- I'll tell you, man, I need to have, I get that checked. Anyway, hopefully, get, what we need is someone, someone like Agaziev to do what Pavlovich did. Pa- Pavlovich created this momentum, didn't he? And he created this story of, wow, we need someone like Gaziev to do the exact same thing. Because if you look a- away from the top five, there's not much else really that no. that, that is inspiring the rest of the... Uh, the rest of the division. Almeida maybe has it, but is he one-dimensional? We're going to find out against Blades, aren't we? Yeah, uh, but unfortunately for for Rosenstock, I think what Almeida did last time out subbing Rosenstock in one round has just basically shown Gaziev an easy route to victory there. Because Gaziev is a fully rounded mixed martial artist, unlike Rosenstock, who is just still a monster of a striker. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if this went early in the first round by exactly the same way. Gaziev has got the ability, as I say, he's got 11 finishes and 12 straight wins. He's got this in, rock-solid amateur experience prior to this as well. He's a very talented fighter, and I expect him to, to win in style at the weekend and move up these rankings quickly, and he could be. He could be the next guy. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think he needs two or three more fights to really solidify himself. But I think by processes of elimination at the top of the tree, as you say, people like Gan have had a few shots and are being inactive. Gaziev could move quickly. And this time next year, we could be talking about him as a genuine contender. Hmm. Really looking forward to seeing how, how he gets on with Jorginho Rosenstreich at the weekend. I'm also really interested in this co-main event as well, because I know that you're high on Tyson Pedro. You love the Tyson Pedro story. You're all in on it. Uh, but Petrino... Listen, man, he's had three knocks in the UFC, this dude, and he's looked absolutely sensational. And this, this is beautiful matchmaking. I've got to take my hat off to this because narratives sell, stories sell, 
Right, let's have a look. Right, you've been beaten by this. I know that MMA math doesn't work and boxing math doesn't work, right? But this is yeah. what I like to see. I like to see people that go, right, so you've beaten him, but you got beat off him. Right, so then there's, all right, so you've got this common opponent here and this guy's lost to this guy. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, the best thing to solve here to see who the best out of you lot is, you two, go and have a bit of a knock. And that's kind of what's happened here with Petrino and Pedro. They've got common uh, opponents with the likes of Bukowskis. We know that Bukowskis beat Pedro brilliantly away from home. But then uh, Petrino last time out absolutely went through Petri uh, Bukowskis uh, like a dose of salts. You've got people that Pedro has finished, that uh, Petrino's gone the distance with. So it's a case of, go on then, you mm -hmm. two have a little bit of a knock together. Uh, like I said, it was supposed to be taking place in front of fans in Saudi Arabia. It's going to be interesting to see how the dynamic of the apex affects this mm. fight because they both seem to be guys that vibe off energy and vibe off the crowd but two big lads lights are not dudes out let's go let's see what happens yeah as you say that 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 check left duck knockout of Bukowskis by Petrino last year the back end of last year after Bukowskis got his neck got back into the UFC at that salvate listen we kicked you out the UFC but we're gonna let you come back in You've got to go to Australia and fight Tyson Pedro. Fucking hell, Jesus Christ, the guy's a legend down there. Goes down there and has his way with Tyson Pedro. And that's the problem with Tyson. It's I'm fully bought in on the story because I know the story of his background and his dad and all this legendary status. Taito Avassas, his brother-in-law. Like these people basically put MMA on the plat on that continent. And um, but inside the UFC, it just hasn't clicked for him. You know, he's six and four inside the UFC, Tyson Pedro. And okay, he's in good form right now. Aside from the Bukaskas loss, he's had three wins and that one loss in his last four fights. So you can say this is Tyson in his best UFC form, but you're going in against the Brazilian who's undefeated. He's 10 and 0 with eight finishes himself. Who's been the guy that beat you on home turf. So many narratives going into this. I think it's a Tyson... If I was Tyson Pedro, I'd be like, this is this is the type of fight I was hoping for. A guy that's undefeated that I can go, right, I'm here now. Just beat an, I've just beaten an undefeated guy. A guy that beats someone that beat me. So it torpedoes me above both of them again. But Tyson Pedro, we're getting to that stage now. and he's, I know he's still only 34, but we're getting to that stage where he's got to start being a bit more consistent. He's got to start putting a win and run together if he's going to do anything in the UFC. And people thought he would do an awful lot in the UFC. If he is going to do anything, he's got to start winning a little bit more consistency. But you've got a guy with eight knockouts and 10 wins, a guy with 10 knockouts and 10 wins. Got to be murder. Does feel like the penny's dropped a little bit, though, with Tyson Pedro. I agree. He just, he fights at a weird pace. Mm. He doesn't seem to want to go through, you know what I mean? He fight. he wants... It's funny, Tyson, because I, I say I've been lucky enough to spend time with him and his dad, like fucking just icons of the game. And when you um, when you speak to him and they, they just live, eat and breathe MMA, of course, like so many of these fighters do, of course. But when he gets inside that octagon, he looks the part and you know he's got the skill set, but he just seems to sometimes fight a little bit in third gear. And you're like, what are you waiting for? What are you pacing yourself for? Are you, mm. Listen, he's got fucking 10 finishes and 10 wins. But there's just occasions, like against Bukaukas, you're like, come on, kid. Stamp your authority on the fight. Maybe that's how he gets so many finishes, because he lulls people in or whatever. I don't know. He's got His, his personality is weird. He's kind of a laid-back guy. Yeah, but obviously, chill, the, at the same, at same time, a guy you would never, ever, ever want to be locked in a cage with, <coughs> talent-wise. Yeah. But it's now or never. Yeah. Um, really interesting dynamic in this flyweight fight. First and foremost, is Alex Perez actually going to make it to the cage? This <laughs> is probably one of the most frustrating fighters in the UFC. Fought at the top level, took on the top boys, the Pantojas and the Figgies of this world. Yes, he lost to the both of them in the first round. He was subbed by the pair of them, right? But he hasn't, he hasn't won a fight. I'm just looking at the record here. He hasn't won a fight since June of 2020. Right? Jesus Christ, I'm just looking at the amount of withdrawals we've had. In that time, he's fought twice, he's lost both of them, and he's had 10 fights fall off. 10. Wow, that's immense. That could be a record. So June 2020 is his last win. 
He's had two fights since June 2020, lost them both, beaten by, as I've said, Pantoja and Figueredo. But he's had 10 fights scheduled. I think he had about five scheduled against Schnell. Yeah, Matt Schnell, yeah. And they all fell off. It's amazing that this guy is still ranked as highly as he is in uh, in the division. Um, and just obviously bit, fights uh, Mohamed Mokhev this weekend. I'm just having a little look at this myself. I haven't, I haven't looked. To, to be fair to him, you know, it's not always him. It's not always him, but a lot of it is. But most of the time it is him. Like that fourth fight with Matt Schnell, he, he, he was too heavy on the scale, so the fight got pulled. Mm-hmm. But you're right, 10 fights scheduled since his last win. He's only actually made it into the octagon twice, and he's lost both of them. Lost against Figueredo, lost against Pantoja. Again, well, absolutely no, 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 no shame. That's 10, that's 10 misses. He's had 12 scheduled. He's, he's sorry, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, so he's sorry, missed you're 10 right. of them. He's missed 10 fights. The two fights that have happened, he's yeah. lost them both. But he's losing against the best guys that's, in the division. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the three losses that he's had in the UFC were Joey Benavidez, uh, Figueredo for the belt, and last time out against Pantoja. So the problem there is they're all first round finishes as yeah. well. But that's who Perez is. I get you or you get me. If you look at his record, yeah. he's got loads of first round finishes himself. I think 11 of his 24 wins are in the first round. So he is absolutely a banger. He is absolutely a finisher. One thing I will say before we come on and sing about Mo and get excited about Mo is Perez has faced a guy like Mo before because Perez faced Shorty Torres. Now, Shorty Torres was, like Mo, multiple-time IMAF amateur champion. Some would say the best amateur we've had in the short space of time the amateurs existed. Jose Shorty Torres was the guy. Then Jose Shorty Torres turned pro with... um, What's it called out in the Middle East? Same same people Mo went with. Brave. What is yeah, Brave? What is wrong with those two today? Same <laughs> pro with Brave. At least I remembered that one. I got that I one. Got, I remember that one. Came a champion in Brave. Looked like the man in Brave. Everyone was like, mate, you are the man. You need to go to the UFC. Comes over to the UFC. I'm Shorty Torres. I'm the main guy. I'm the future. And Perez put him in his place. Finished him in the first round. Sent him packing. Where's Shorty Torres now? He's back in Brave. Mm. So Mo's in a position here where he's facing a guy that's faced someone with a very similar narrative before. I'm not saying Mo, I'm, I believe Mo Mokhev is a better fighter than Shorty Torres. Of course I do. But we've been here before with Alex Perez. He's been the guy before that's beaten the big prospect, the future, all this kind of stuff. He's done it before. Can he do it against Mo Mokhev, who's 11 and 0? And for me, is destined destined to be UFC champion because mowing cut from the same cloth as never mind Shorty Torres, not many fighters on the planet, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh most five and oh in the UFC he's got four finishes, three third round finishes on the spot on, on the spin, should I say. Um my my concern for this, right? Cause he's a sharp dude is Mo. Yeah. And he'll be looking at this and he'll be thinking, right, this fight gets me in the title picture. And he's right. There's no doubt, right? It does get you in the title picture. Even with the lack of activity from Perez, it gets you in that mix, especially with the way that the top of this division is looking. And Patoj is the king and he's looking for an opponent at UFC 301 in Brazil. I'll get to that in a minute. But from a more point of view, watching his recent fights, he keeps go into the path of least resistance. Rightfully so. He's brilliant at what he does. He's brilliant yeah. at what he does. But trust the stand-up more because he's actually good at that too. So don't telegraph certain things too much. Trust it. I actually think in the fights where we've seen him had to pull things from behind, he's kind of led a lot to his own downfall in certain fights because he's telegraphed certain things because this is the elite level. Yeah. His talent has got himself out of shit on a couple of occasions. Last time out against Tim Elliott, stellar win. Brilliant signature win. He's losing the fight, and it's only his elite talent and his elite ability that sinks in that submission in the third round that gets him out of that trouble. Yeah. My point is, with Moore, is be a mixed martial artist. Don't go in there with a preconceived idea of, right, I'm going to grapple this dude. 
Just go and play it. You're talented enough to do everything. Just play what is presented to you. Don't get me wrong. I think there will be a grappling exchange that is presented to him, of which then he can take full advantage of, as we've seen um, Pantoja and Figueredo take advantage of with Perez. I think that will present itself. But don't go in there and and, and telegraph it. I, I want to see just a little new... I want to see a new wrinkle with more. Even though he's been perfect, he's 5-0, and all, he's got four finishes and he's doing what he's doing, making the right noise. Just give me that extra little bit of maturity. Give me that extra wrinkle. Because then it's realistic that you can get Pantoja at 3-0-1. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. And I agree with you. I just don't think this is the guy to do it against. I don't think this is the guy to stand and bang with. And I, I come Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not saying stand and bang. What I'm saying is don't telegraph it. Don't just go, I'm shooting. Yeah. Be brave yeah. enough. Be brave enough to trust your stand-up in order to set it up rather than just go, nah, mate, we're not doing I'm going straight in. Yeah. I, 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 listen, obviously, I agree. I want to see Mo more fully rounded. And if Mo is destined to chase Pantoya down and make a case and get on the microphone and call him out, I need to see Mo 2.0 to go, right, now he's ready for Pantoya. Now he's ready for the top guy. Because Mo's world, that's Pantoya's world as well. So Mo has to add an extra sphere to his game. He has to add that extra dynamic. I've, we've seen him do striking. We've seen him in training. We've seen him do the stuff. first we, fight. Do you remember the first team? fight in the UFC when he come out, he yeah. trusted it, flying knee, bang, and then it went into grappling. That, yeah. that's do it. Do that rather rather than shooting. Yeah. Do trust it, mate, because you're good. Trust it. Yeah. I just think with Perez, don't be surprised if... We see we see Mo shooting early because Perez, the hole in Perez's game you would suggest it's, is yeah, elite grappling. I agree. I agree. You know, is 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 two fights against Figueredo and Pantoya. In that, there's only two fights in the last four years. Um, both one for the title, one against the new champion. Both ended in the first round via submission. That suggests a guy that hasn't got the ability to defend himself against high level submission fighters. That's exactly who Mo is. So this may not be the fight where we see Mo exploit and, and, and use the striking like he should, but you're absolutely right. He just has to use it as an opening. Use it to close the distance. And I want to see the next level of Mo. Like, he's been mm. incredible. He's been absolutely mm. incredible. And the amount of times where we've gone, she's up against it. He's up against <laughs> it. He needs to pull something out the bag. Like, Mo is one of the stars of our reaction cam series. When you look back, when you look at all the Mo fights, we're like, oh my, we're pulling our ear out, going, oh my God, he's going to lose. He needs to do something amazing. He needs to do something. And then Mo's just like, yeah, okay, everyone bought in. Now I'm losing, am I? Yeah, okay, watch this. Yeah, mate, off my leg. Rip it off. Go ahead. Rip them ligaments. I ain't tapping. Now you're fucked because I'm going to squeeze your head off. He's that. It's made his career so much more exciting, so much more entertaining. And it may well facilitate a quick move up and it may well get him to the point where Pantos goes, Go on, yeah. I've seen that kid lose a bunch of rounds. Gives me that opportunity, ain't coming back. And that might be the secret weapon which gets Mo there unbelievably to the promised land as quickly as he wants to get there. Perez is dangerous. Perez won't be all blown away. Perez, again, Perez has been here before. And Perez, last time he was here, Perez knocked the young star out in the first round. So Mo just needs to be careful. Keep that chin down. Got a great chin, Mo. Keep that chin down. Let those hands go. Close the distance. Use your kicking game. And then when the opportunity strikes, double leg, take him down. And that's when Perez will panic. And if we can get a first round finish, if he can be the third oh. consecutive guy to submit Perez, well, the last guy was the champ. The guy after that's the new champ. Surely it's the next champ. It is going to be interesting, this narrative, mate, because if he can put in a, something special at the weekend, Albazi you would think he's in a really good position, but we don't know where he's yes. at. Is he injured? Is he is he out injured? Roy Val and Moreno have had their shot at yeah. Pantoja. Moreno's obviously just got beat off Roy Val, so he's down the pecking order. Roy Val might get an opportunity, but is that fair on Pantoja, seeing as that Pantoja's kind of just taking him to school? Yes, it's competitive fight. Don't get me wrong. We were there. We saw it. It was brilliant. But he won, every, he won a large percentage of it, did Pantoji. It wasn't close, close, was it? So, you've got Kaikara France, who's allegedly out on a concussion suspension at the moment. 
mate, if he do, if he if he goes in against Perez and stops him and gets on the microphone, he and could says, turn that round. He could turn that round. Send for me Brazil. to Brazil. Yeah, send me to Rio. Yeah, I and I wouldn't be surprised if Pantoja goes. Well, yeah, it's fresh meat, isn't it? It's fresh meat. He's a young buck. He's a bit fucking wet behind the ears. Go on then. I'll and it's it, my yeah. world. I know yeah. what he wants to do. He wants yeah, to take yeah. me down. Sam, yeah. man, take me I'm, down I'm, all day. I'm in Brazil. I mean, yeah, go on then. Go on then. Go on then. Bring him. I'll do him. Yeah. And Mo might get, might get his opportunity in Brazil. Yeah. But first, he's got to beat Perez. You know, yes, we, we can talk like this. Let's hope Mo isn't having these off, taking his eye off the ball conversations. Mate, what are even you though he's about? been dangerous. That's how he Perez. talks. That's no, how he no, talks. Yes. He will probably be doing that at press conferences this week, saying, yeah, well, this yeah. is what I'm going to do. This guy, this guy, this guy, I'm going to smash him, and then I'm calling him out, and then I'm going to Brazil at 301. Yeah? Everybody in? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, great fight, though. I'm really glad that he's got the opportunity. In fact, there's two narratives here. There's the, there's the more mock I have one against Alex Perez, because he's been crying for someone of a decent ranking for ages, hasn't he? And he's finally mm -hmm. got it. He's got the opportunity. He's in Vegas. He's doing it at the apex. But there's also the Uma Nemegomedov narrative as well who's also been shouting and screaming for, give me a ranked fighter. He had the Cody, uh, uh, Corey Sandhagen fight uh, booked, didn't he? Which, all, which fell off, which I thought, oh, wow, that's a really good fight. Good opportunity for Umar. Let's see what Umar's all about. Fell off, didn't get uh, rebooked. I know for a fact, from speaking to people behind the scenes, two top 10 bantams were offered Umar Nurmagomedov, and they said no. Um, so now we're in a situation where the UFC are having to look outside of the UFC. Mm -hmm. Bexat, uh, Alan McCann is the guy that they've brought in. Yes, he's on a, what is he, eight, nine, five win streak or whatever. He's on a crazy win streak. But he's not been in the UFC. This guy's making his UFC debut because they can't get an opponent for Umar, who could be the best bantamweight. We don't know. Because we can't get him matched up. It would have been a wonderful thing to find out against Corey Sandhagen because I, I think Sandhagen's well on his way to maybe fighting at the very top top tier. Um, I'm just happy that Umar's got a fight. He's on this card and he's got an opportunity to make a statement against the guy that's on a win streak. Yeah. Yeah, he has. Listen, there has been guys who accepted, though. I know Jack Shaw accepted a fight with him down at Bantamweight a couple of years ago and the event got cancelled. The event got cancelled, yeah. Uh, and then Corey Sandhagen did accept the fight with Umar last year. Um, and then I think it was Umar that pulled out of the fight. Umar withdrew from the Corey Sandhagen fight last year. I don't think it was Sandhagen that pulled out. So there has been some opportunities there. Listen, Umar's a very special talent. Of course he is. He's Habib's cousin. He's trained with Abdul Manap. He's a former world, camp, world combat sambo champion. And he's 16 and 0. With you know a lot of good finishes in there, a lot of good submissions in there as well. He's looked great in the UFC, four and oh, two submissions, one knockout. Um, and and against Ronnie Barcelos last year, he, he looked great last January, but he's just not active enough. We're just not seeing enough of Umar in the UFC to be able to go, okay, sound, let's move him on. So, why we're in this position of bringing in guys from outside the UFC, I don't know. You're telling me no one in the UFC wants to fight him. Just mentioned two guys that accepted fights and the fight fell off. I, I think Umar just needs to be busier. He needs to he needs to really start pushing forward. I like the kid. You know, we were lucky enough to meet him in Abu Dhabi. I mean, Habib, nice kid. Not much English, of course, but talented, big smiley face here for the journey and got big aspirations to become a champion one day. But he needs to be more active. You know, his last fight was... 13 months ago. Yeah, 13, 14 months ago, yeah. He's got he's got to fight more often. So, And as for the Kazakh, listen, the kid's 17 and 1. We just, we just don't know how good he is. You, you know, okay, his, his career's been built outside of the UFC, but he is in, I think, that one career defeat was early in his career. So he's, he's won his last nine fights, all at that Kazakh level. But for all we know, he could be the fucking, you know, the next John Jones. There's the risk of not facing guys, guys coming in from the UF outside of the UFC with records like this. It's always a risk, man. It's always a risk because you just don't know. Hmm. Um, I mentioned a minute or two ago about Alex Perez uh, getting to the octagon. Will he make it? Will he not make it? Uh, 10 cancelled fights since 2020. Matt Schnell's had a good one. He's up yeah. there. Uh, 
Shnelly's currently six and five in the UFC, so he's super entertaining. It's either you or him, right? I like watching Matt Schnell. Yeah. Um, this fight itself has fallen off, off twice, I think. Or this is the second time it's been rebooked. Um, I think he's had eight fights fall off in three years. So, again, it's going to be one... <laughs> The the administrators for this this event at the weekend, they're going to be on them scales, aren't they? Sat there going, please, just fucking turn up it, wait, and turn up to fight. Because there's a potential that two fights on the main card might not materialise, given the history of two of the lads that are involved. Both well, we, in this way. We might end up getting, if, if that if that continues, we Ersing might end against up getting Mark. Ersing yeah. versus Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe we should preview that now, just in case. Yeah, just in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good. Ursig's really yeah. technical. I like him. He's two and all. Really technical fighter. Okay, there's you know, he, he, he might fight in he might have that safety first approach to Zerseg. I, I know I've only got a little bit of data in the UFC to go off, but he seems yeah. a bit safey. You're not getting me, but I'm just gonna pop away here and I'm gonna do what I need to do and I'm gonna win the fight. And he's and listen, you can't argue with that. That's what his job is. Turn up and win. Um he doesn't put himself at risk too often. <laughs> Matt Schnell does. So um, I would say that this might be going in for, if that fight does actually materialise, I would probably back Ersig to come through. But it's the it's the UFC, man. You never know. Um, Matt Schnell does deliver every now and again, and this might be one yeah. of those nights that he delivers. And with all due respect to Matt Schnell, and you know I've got a soft spot for Matt Schnell after watching him as a kid, but the... You know, his losses against like Pantoya, Roy oh, yeah. Val, Nicolau, you know, the top top five ranked guys, they're the only guys beating Matchnell with all due respect. So I think it, it's a massive step up for Ersig, who's ranked number 12. Schnell's in the top 10. It's the right fight for him at this time and point in time. Yes, we've only seen him twice in the UFC, but he has got 11 and 1 records. On closer inspection, that 11 1 record, he lost his second professional fight. So he's actually won 10 fights straight. So he's in mm. good form, his Astro boy. He now needs to let the uh, let us let, let himself let, let's see who he really is now. You've had two fights in 2023. You've introduced yourself to the UFC. We know who you are now, Astro Boy. Right. Let's see what you're all about. Let's see you open up now. Let's see you really make a push in this flyweight division because you're right, it has been a bit safety first. I excuse that sound. Fight making your debut, always weird in the UFC because you've dreamt about it your entire life. Second fight. Getting the wheels in motion, sound right. You've got a top rank 10 rank guy now. Let's see what you do against someone like Matt Schnell. The mad thing is, because Matt Schnell's been out for so long, he, he, 2023 was a complete write off, didn't even fight last year. Mm. Last time Matt Schnell fought, Ersig wasn't even in the UFC, wasn't even close to being signed by the UFC, was still on a domestic scene over in Australia. And yet, here's Matt Schnell coming back to the octagon to defend his position in the top 10 against the guy that last time he fought. Wasn't even on the fucking roster. That's how mad this sport can move, man. So, yeah, for Matt Schnell, I like Matt Schnell. I've got such a soft spot for him. I just feel like if he was going to do it, he'd have done it by now. And at 34, a flyweight, it's knocking. Um, Chris Duncan last weekend. Chris Leroy Duncan this weekend. We love it. I love this. Um, obviously, athletically, look completely different human beings, as we all know. Uh, it's just the name on the paper that uh, maybe confuses a few fight fans. Um, and you mentioned him right at the start of the show, a guy. Listen, we've claimed him as our own because he were here for ages. Bash that. Uh, listen, he could do something really special, this fella. Um, interesting fight this weekend at the Apex. Yeah, is that uh, Zahabi? That's the, that's the head coach of TriStars. Is it his little brother? Is it? I think it is his little brother. He he was himself a bit of a sensation early on. He won his first six fights by first round knockout. Gets signed by the UFC, and he's he's gone four and two in the UFC. He's won his last three. A couple of first round finishes in there himself. He's in he's in good form. Is Zahabi? But Basharat, as we know, fourteen and 0, 11 finishes in there. I think it's half knockouts, half half submissions. Very well balanced fighter, taekwondo background. Spent a long time at London Shoe Fighters. Him and his brother now live in Las Vegas. So when opportunity knocks the right day, and they, listen, they got them in the UFC and they've been running ever since. Three and zero form, but he has got that 
last time out, the accidental uh, he kicked the guy, he kicked Victor Henry on the nuts, didn't he? Mm. In in Abu Dhabi, so that that fight became a no contest. But you know, we, we overlooked that. Obviously, it is what it is. But I think we got it. I think Basharat's a, a genuine guy in this weight division. He's a really talented fighter, and he can really do something at bantamweight. Um, and I think this could be the right opponent for him to do it as well. I expect him to hit the ground running again and absolutely fly. I like him a lot. Are you expecting uh, bombs away from Christian Leroy Duncan? You know what? I think with with, with Chris Leroy Duncan, again, another guy, former IMAF, former standout amateur medalist at amateur level, comes into the UFC. Okay, he's only had 10 professional fights, but again, he's probably had a dozen or more amateur fights at a high level. So you're allowed to move these guys quickly. UFC debut gets a win. Second fight, UFC. Loses to Petrosian on points. Mm. No shame in that, though. Petrosian no. is an elite like fighter. And let's be honest, when we, after that fight we went, let's be honest, the old man them, didn't he? The old man them. He <clears throat> had a little bit too much experience, blah, blah, blah. Taught him a few things. Guess what? That's what Chris Leroy Duncan needs. His amateur career and his early professional career is littered with fucking viral moment knockouts. What he needed was some an old veteran ex- to get in there and go, right, this is how you win rounds, kid. Can't just knock everybody else. And since then, he had that bounce back, second round knockout against Tululan. I like Chris Leroy Duncan with an L on his record because I think it's brought him back down to earth. He learned so much from that. We've seen it in the last fight and hopefully we see it a bit more against Ribeiro this weekend. Yeah. Ribeiro's lost twice in the UFC to very good kickboxers, one of which was Roman Kopolov. That too, Chris Leroy Duncan... He's an elite kickboxer. He's an elite creative power striker as well. I think Ribeiro might be made for him a little bit, even though Ribeiro himself, 11 wins, 11 finishes. You don't have to go looking for the guy, but he can bang as well. Um, You may have heard us mention uh, Raul Rosas Jr. and Ricky Turkios. Uh, I think it was Dana White, actually, that said that there was a possibility of it maybe featuring on this card after it fell off from UFC Mexico. It's not going to happen. Um, so it's, it's not been scheduled for uh, for this card. <clears throat> so that, that suggest he was a little bit more ill than they thought? Maybe maybe he kept on vomiting throughout the weekend, lost a lot of water, weight, everything else, messed I him think up. He's, I think he's really struggled with that weight cut, mate. So it's going to be yeah. interesting to see um, what he does going forward, whether he moves up. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, also, AJ Cunningham's coming in. He's a mate of Bryce Mitchell, is AJ Cunningham. He's a training partner of his. So AJ That's Cunningham's coming coming in for Joel Alvarez. Gutted. I love Joel Alvarez. Love yeah. watching this dude fight. Uh, but he's out the fight with Ludovic Klein, which I actually thought was a really good matchup. Um, so AJ Cunningham's coming in as a last-minute replacement to take on uh, Ludovic Klein. Uh, hope Joel Alvarez is uh, all good. Uh, that's how your uh, UFC is shaping up at the Apex at the weekend. What did you make of uh, Israel Adesanya's interview this week? Obviously, he said, listen, I got the call. For UFC 300, kids. Mm. I got the call. I was ready. I was down. I want to go get my belt back. Drikas Duplessis didn't want to do it. No. Now, in all, in the defense of Drikas Duplessis, he has been consistent. And when people are consistent, I'll give him a pass. Because he said, listen, I get it. UFC 300, you're all making a big song and dance out of it. Out of it. UFC Africa's bigger to me, mate. I want UFC Africa. I'll fight the dude, but I want UFC Africa. So please, can we go in that direction? So I get it. As to where Drikas Duplessis was at. I'm disappointed. Because Israel Adesanya, Drikas Duplessis, UFC 300 was the fucking tinsel on this incredible tree. It would have been great. Uh, it's just a shame that obviously uh, it's not going to materialise. Yeah, I think we're seeing this a lot more now. Probably, probably brought in by John Jones as much as anybody else. But you know, fighters, we've seen it with Leon a little bit when he became champion. Fighters who become champion and go right, okay, I want a little bit of a say now. You know what I mean? I worked my balls off to get here. The days of being dictated to to find these opportunities to 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 get the opportunity of being a champion. They're kind of done now because I am the champion. So I'm the kingmaker. So I'm going to have something to say. And I, listen, for us, UFC 300, man, come on. We need a big fight. We need a big celebration. We need something a bit special. Oh, my God, is he going back in? Fantastic. The narrative's great. 
But if it doesn't suit Drickers, it doesn't suit Drickers. And I respect the fact that Drickers just went, nah, man, that ain't for me. I've worked my plums off and this entire nation has done nothing but support me on my journey. And on that journey, I've been saying every time, I will be UFC champion. I will bring the octagon to South Africa. Believe in me, trust in me, come on my journey with me. And they have. And now he's stuck to his word. And will it happen this year? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't know how far the UFC are along the lines of taking uh, an octagon to Africa. They've been talking about it for over a decade. But there's many, many issues, certainly when you go into a new continent, a new territory. Generally, you have to partner with. When they go to Russia, they kind mm. of partner with a promoter that's established there. And because of legal reasons and all kinds of other tick box exercise Mate, situations. Legal, legal reasons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I think going to South Africa isn't, say, as easy as rocking up in Madrid. Now, we know there's been conversations about Spain in the past. We just need a ticket seller in Spain to really take us to Spain. Guess what? Got one now. Ilya Tapora will get us to Spain. I think that will happen this summer. I don't know whether South Africa will. So I think Drickers is going to have to defend that belt outside of Africa first. Yeah, that I think so. Absolutely just needs to be his narrative to go, okay, Sam, listen, I get it. It ain't that easy, but help. I will help you facilitate it. If it isn't going to be this year, please can we make it next year, regardless of my state situation. And good for him. He should be trying to grow the sport in his yeah. home country by using that belt. And if that means pushing back on the UFC a little bit, if that means pushing back on the South African government a little bit and facilitating conversations, that's what his job is, to grow the sport as much as anything else. Good yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Abs listen, absolutely good for him. And I ain't against uh, Izzy having a little bit more time off, Adam, because I want the best version of Izzy back. I don't want this quick turnaround, Izzy, which I believe is what cost him the belt in the first place. Yeah, I think there was a, a absolutely a case of mental burnout in there, no doubt. Um, it's it's really good to see him do his interviews again and starting talking and seeing the old Izzy starting to flow back in and saying things like, "Listen, you're asking me questions about Sean Strickland. It took me six years to conquer the Alex Pereira puzzle. It ain't going to take me that long to conquer the Sean Strickland puzzle, lads. Don't worry about that. I'll deal with him once I've dealt with Rickers Duplessis. He's next." And I like it. There's a bit of spike coming back to the conversations uh, that he's been having. Um, we need superstars. There's no doubt about that. And listen, we've got one fighting uh, a week on Saturday, haven't we, in Sean O'Malley. Um, he's in a hell of a fight against Cheeto Vera. We know that. Um, we need John Jones back in the heavyweight division. We need Conor McGregor back. Um, and Israel Adesanya is absolutely in that ilk. We need him in the UFC. We need people like Israel Adesanya doing his thing. Uh, and fingers crossed they can book that fight. I wouldn't be surprised if they start to look towards International Fight Week for Israel Adesanya and Drikas Duplessis. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it in and around that time. Uh, just just following Connor's social media, a lot of, obviously, Roadhouse stuff at the moment. Cause yeah, man. He's all over it, isn't Whatever. Old juiced up Knox there selling that selling that movie to high heaven. I think he's still in that world, and I think until that Honor. world, yeah, until he closes that door and reopens this door properly, we can forget about him competing again. Forget about it. He definitely for me, he definitely ain't going to be at International Fight Week. If we see him before the end of the year, I'd be surprised. Okay, I'm sure oh, there'll be. Listen, listen. He's got his movie coming out March 21st, hasn't he? There's going to be, I would imagine, quite a few microphones in his face on red carpets in the build-up to the launch. No, but it doesn't matter what Connor says. All I'm, all I'm saying is, people are asking questions. Let's see what he's got yeah, to say yeah. over the next couple of weeks or so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned earlier there. Listen, the dude is taking over Spain, man. He's getting a presidential... <laughs> Uh, citizenships now he's getting all sorts of random he's on every single talk show he's kicking the football on the Santiago Bernabeu the dude owns Spain he just rocks it he's, he's the guy now everybody yeah. wants to be Ilya Taporia's best pal I don't know if you saw that uh, chat show that he went on in Spain and obviously we he's got great English as Ilya and he does the press conferences when he goes to fight weeks and he does his interviews in English sometimes. And when it is your second language, sometimes the nuances of the comedy, the coldness and all those types of things doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily portrayed as you would like it to be portrayed if it was in your native language. 
I watched uh, him do this chat show in Spain. They're all over him. Yeah, you're the man. You're the fucking king and all this type of shit. And they were asking him to uh, talk about uh, the Volkanovsky fight and the back and forth with Volkanovsky. And he spoke, honestly, there's something really sinister about the Spanish language, isn't there, when you're talking about violence? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's chirping away about it and he's doing it in a way where you think he's dragging you in like some type of boss from Scarface or something like that. Right? He's dragging you right in like this. And then he goes, uh, I can't remember how we phrased the first bit of this, but then he says, and then I switched the lights off in Australia. <laughs> he, put, he, he, paused, he paused for a second and then in Spanish, he just went, and then I switched the lights off in Australia. And I just went, oh my God, cold as fuck the way he just delivers the line. The dude's a star, man. Mate, what for, a the Spanish speak, for the Spanish speaking fan, he is the guy, no yeah, doubt. Yeah. And the UFC have to make his next fight in Spain because it's just, it's just gigantic. It's gigantic. What a what a sensational turn of phrase that describe knocking out the Australian champion as I turned off the lights in Australia because that's what happens when you when you're watching a fight late at night and your fighter gets chinned. You don't sit around and watch your, your fighter gets chinned. You don't sit around and watch the new champion get his belt. You fucking turn the lights off in your living room and you go to bed or you turn the lights off at your bedside lamp and you roll over with a tear in your eye. To 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 say that is just almost like poetry. Fucking hell, that's mega. Special dude, mate. He's yeah, a special Ilya, dude. Ilya, it's me, amigo. You wait until hey, I see Ilya next. Yeah. You wait oh, it is. Get the old Duolingo out. <laughs> Hola, el matador. <laughs> um, I don't wait. Ryan Garcia says that he's going to uh, nail Sean O'Malley in an octagon. Yeah. Sound. Ryan Garcia's having a fucking, uh, I can't say midlife crisis because he's about 22, but he's having a bit of a crisis at the moment, let's be honest. Putting his, his uh, OnlyFans girlfriend all over his account every other minute and all kinds. He's, he's having a very strange, he's having a very strange time during this boxing press week with uh, Devin Haney. So, I don't want to talk about him. I don't know where his head's at at the moment, and we know he's struggled in the past. Hmm. Um, but the way things are going, not just to go on to boxing for a second, it, I'm starting to doubt whether this Devin Haney fight's even going to happen, the way he's talking and the things he's saying, and the, he's just a little bit all over the place. So hmm. I'm not giving that any credit. Okay. Uh, well, Sean O'Malley's got himself a hell of a fight at UFC 299, exactly. which we're extremely excited about with Cheeto Vera. Cheeto, I, I'm loving everything about Cheeto at the moment because he's just gone mm -hmm. proper. Uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? He's not engaging in a lot of stuff. He's just obviously grinding away, working away behind the scenes. Listen, man, this is my shot. I've worked all my life for this. I've already beaten this dude once. I'm gonna go and beat. I've just got to go and beat him again, and I get my hand raised and I get the belt, and I'm the champ. Mm -hmm. And then it's in the history books there. Yeah. But there's, but there's a, there's a, a ready break glow about Sean O'Malley at the moment, isn't there? The dude, Correct. the dude is something very, very special. It's gonna be, it's gonna be brilliant. I, I was having a conversation with one of our friends the other day, uh, and he sent me a text message. He goes, "UFC 299 kicks the shit out of UFC 300," and I went, "Put the crack pipe down, right?" But then I took a step back and I looked down 299 and I went, he's actually got an argument here. And then yeah, I looked yeah. at 300 and I went, no, hang on a minute. I think I'm I'm still in the ballpark here, actually. Yeah. How good of a place is that to be as a fan of MMA, as a fan of the UFC to sit there and, make, and have a legitimate discussion about which is the better card? Because they are both phenomenal. 299's mm -hmm. probably got eight fights that I must mm -hmm. not miss. I would argue that 300's got 10 at the moment. Yeah. Must not miss. That's a wonderful, wonderful place to be. You can come to me and you can say, well, I prefer actually Dustin Poirier against Benoit Saint-Denis and all this type of stuff. And mate, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But then I might come at you and say, well, hang on a minute. What about Charles Oliveira and Armin Sarukian? You know? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Fucking hell! <laughs> 299 and 300 are just ridiculous back-to-back -back cards. Yeah, absolutely insane. And, and just you're right. The thing with with Sean is it's an old adage in this in, in the fight game. You fake it till you make it, man. 
you walk like a champion, you talk like a champion, you act like a champion, and that's how you one day become the champion. And since he has lost to Cheeto Vera, and it won a loss, I know Sean likes to say he got injured. Guess why? He got injured because he kicked you in the leg, bro. That's how you lost. Basically saying, well, you know, if I, if I didn't fall asleep in the middle of the fight... If he didn't knock me out, I won. I won. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. You fell asleep because he knocked you out. So yeah, that's not a real argument. Cheeto did beat him, and he beat him conclu- con- con- conclusively. But since then, Sean has gone away. And, okay, he might have had a little bit of Dana White privilege, but guess what? That's allowed because he's a fucking star. He's a potential pay-per-view star. He engages with the modern audience. So, of course, the UFC have gone, yeah, we'll slipstream you. But when you get to a certain point, there's no there's no hiding place. Right, you've got, got you here now against the former champion. What are you going to do? Beat Petty Yang. Okay. Right, we're here now. We've facilitated it. We got you here because you're the star. What are you going to do against the champion? He fucking nailed the champion. He beat the man. Sean O'Malley is the man. Yeah. That all happened since the loss to Cheeto Vera. Do we even know Cheeto's got that win and Cheeto will be going away thinking, I beat this guy before, man. All I've got to do is the same thing. I will counter-argue to say, yeah, but that ain't the same guy. That was the guy that was faking it. This is the guy at the top of the tree, legitimately with the crown on his head. He's a different animal now, Sean O'Malley. Cheeto better be ready because this ain't the same guy. It ain't the same opponent. Look at you. Selling it next week. We sold this week. Now you're selling next week. Yeah, you are, exactly. Mike. Uh, listen, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great week next week. Uh, Michael Venom Page makes his UFC debut. So excited to see that. Oh, mate. Anyway, that, we'll get to that next week. So exciting. Just think, you've got Friday night, if you're into Francis Ngannou, which I'm sure you are, taking on AJ, and then 299 on Saturday. Fucking hell. Fucking hell. What a week you've got next week. Uh, And we will be covering the whole goddamn lot here at the Fight Disciples. So make sure you come and be a part of it. You can see that little red button in the corner. If you hit it, it'll ask you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please do. Uh, If you are just listening to this on an audio feed um, and you're not a subscriber, please subscribe. Uh, We're everywhere. Spotify, Apple, Google Play, everything. We're all over there, so you can get all the stuff. And next week's going to be a big week as we're bringing you a podcast a day um, as we build up towards what's happening on Friday night. And, of course, we'll have loads of previews for UFC 299 as well. Uh, make sure you tune into the fights of the weekend and come back on Monday for a full review. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.